Hey there, architecture enthusiast. Nikita Reed here, inviting you on an incredible journey through time and space with my podcast, Tangible Remnants. Historic preservation and sustainability? Let's go ahead right now and debunk the myth that they are opposites. In fact, they are two sides of the same coin, shaping our collective future. In a work environment, it has been challenging because I've had to probably do more than double just to make sure that I quote unquote fit in. But the environments that have allowed me to do me on the front end, I've been extremely successful. You look at all these PhDs, they've built that on the backs of our elders. Absolutely. They consider themselves to be experts at is what they've worked with us to achieve. I know we have to. We have to prioritize people before products and before place. Join me as we unravel the stories of historic buildings shaped by the people of a specific era and often influenced by race and gender. These tangible remnants are windows into our past and guideposts for the future. Follow the link in the show notes to subscribe now to Tangible Remnants. Let's explore the interconnectedness of architecture, preservation, sustainability, race, and gender. Hi, my name is Carrie Seaburn, professional engineer, and this is Unstruct. Unstruct is the podcast where we share the stories from within your walls to help you understand how they stand today. Hello, and welcome back to Unstruct. So I was recently in San Francisco for the AIA Conference on Architecture, which was held earlier this month. And I had the opportunity, thanks to RCAT, who is actually the sponsor of Detailed Podcast, which Sharice Lake side hosts. So Sharice, in combination with RCAT and Gable Media as well, were able to kind of set up a studio for us on the expo floor of AIA. And it was really a great time to sit down with Lee Roberts with Nanowall and talk about all things Nanowall. So Nanowall is a proprietary product, a custom product for door openings, although I hesitate to say the word door because it's so much more than that. But for openings, I guess, they do custom openings for larger spans. I mean, also for shorter spans, I suppose. But it really is kind of that invitation of indoor-outdoor space. And it's something that I've been kind of intrigued by. So as a structural engineer, a lot of times homeowners or maybe commercial clients as well want to open up their space and create large openings that allow for easy flow between indoor and outdoor spaces. And with that comes some structural challenges as far as limiting deflection for these types of systems and also creating the 
framing that is necessary for these systems to attach into. So it's kind of just been a question in my mind as to how to best design for these things. So I really appreciated the opportunity to sit down with Lee and kind of pick his brain a little bit about Nanowall and his area of expertise and you know what we can do as structural engineers and architects to better accommodate these wall or I guess door systems. So with that, I will hand it over to Lee and we will get into the discussion on Nanowall. Hello and welcome to Unstruck. Today we are on the floor of the AIA conference in San Francisco and I have Lee Roberts with Nanowall with me today. So thanks for being here today. Thanks for having me. I'm, I'm very happy to be here. Awesome. We are going to learn a little bit about the Nanowall system today. So yep. maybe if you could just give me, just tell me a little bit about what you do for Nanowall. Sure. I am the National Installation Manager for Nanowall. My primary role is to help everybody that purchases our system to get them installed properly. We know that a properly installed system will create a very happy customer. So I work with uh, our testing, I work with our instructions, I work with individual contractors, I work with certified installers. I do all of these different aspects of installation with anybody that needs assistance. So my goal is to help everybody install our systems properly. Love it. That is awesome. Okay, so if I am understanding correctly, Nanowall is a custom system, right? So each project is specific to the requirements necessary, correct? Correct, correct. We are very custom. Uh, the customer lets us know what they're looking for. We have multiple different systems to choose from. And so we try and understand what is their desire? What, what do you want from this space? And we work with them on customizing, whether it's wood, aluminum, whether it's all glass. We have so so many different choices to make, but we work with that customer to make sure that we understand what they need, give them what they're looking for, and then we customize it to what that space is gonna need. All of our systems are customized. We don't do any standard dimensions per se, but we try and do everything we can to make that space just exactly what they're looking for. Sure, and then do you have residential and commercial customers? Yes, we actually do residential and commercial. We don't really have a specific area that we concentrate on. We actually manufacture all of our systems primarily for an exterior application, but we can use a what we would consider maybe a commercial application in a residence and a residential and commercial. It just depends on what the customer is looking for. Sure. Okay, so I am a structural engineer, and there's some certain things. Uh, Nanowall comes up a lot with sure. uh, some remodeling projects, and I'm also a huge fan of selling sunsets and... <laughs> Yeah. All of the homes that they have on there have these indoor-outdoor spaces and exactly. uh, using these types of wall systems to kind of invite the outside indoors. Right. So I know we talked about how everything is custom, but are there new technologies or different types of walls that can be used? Right. So we have multiple different systems. Some of them are sliders or sliding walls. Some are folding. Some are individual panels. Some are all glass. So it depends again on the application. But we now have a generation four system that we've come out with. We have eight new models. And those eight new models have come up with different techniques and in, in, in the operation to make them easier to operate, get better ratings, weather, structural, all the uh, ratings that we can get with those, 
they've improved since our previous systems. We still offer what we call our legacy systems, but we're now offering our Generation 4. Generation 4, we believe, is a decade out from where we used to be. We've done a lot of German engineering on it to get it exactly what we're looking for. We made them easier to operate, gave them better techniques in the way that they either deal with weather or structure. So we're very happy with this new systems that we have. They are kind of new to the United States only because we've been selling them for about three or four years or so now. But we're finding that they're really doing well here. We try and engineer everything to be exactly what every customer wants. We're finding that the customers really like these Gen 4 systems. Okay. It's, I'm guessing that the contractor and the design professionals also like that type of system. Yes, because we can we can now do things that we haven't been able to do before. Okay. Uh, one of the things with our Gen 4 system is we now have a technology where it's we call it a right-left application. So you can take four panels or six panels, so we call them a four or six panel train, and you can move the entire set from one side to the other. You're not hinged to a jam. Well, that also eliminates our actual width requirements. How many do you want? We have openings that are at 90-some feet that are all folding partition. You can Let's stack pause. Them. 90 feet. That's yes. amazing. Yes. In fact, right here in San Francisco, we have an application like that. And we can, we can take and, and do those kind of things now with the Generation 4 system that we couldn't do previously. And so... We still have our legacy systems that still perform and, and do everything that they had before, but now the Generation 4 gives us just that one step up where it's just a little bit better, easier to use, better performance, better everything. And that's why we're really pushing for the Gen 4 right now. Okay. Yeah. Now, all of the things that you're describing, too, having that flexibility of having the panels in different locations, yep. Yep. that also brings up some structural things, sure. too. So do you have specific deflection requirements and maybe let me back up a little bit so okay. for those of our listeners that maybe aren't familiar with this so you're designing the nanowall system and then me as the structural engineer would be designing the support around the system to Correct. hold it in place in the wall so with that being said do you have specific deflection requirements yes for the support structure because it's a hanging system correct actually the gen 4 is all bottom supported okay very yes. fascinating we do have hanging systems however our deflection rate doesn't change because of actually the compression of the system from deflection. So what I mean is this. Our systems are a frame that is inside of a rough opening with movable panels inside of the frame. Okay. Our panels, depending on the system, will move in three different planes. If they're hanging, they're pulling down. If they're, if they're bottom supported, they're pushing down. They fold right to left. But as soon as we start folding them, then the cantilevered weight starts pulling them into out or out to in, depending on which way it goes. Mm -hmm. So we need something that's going to be fairly stable when we're attaching to it. Our deflection rate right now for these systems is all L over 720 or one quarter of an inch, okay. the lesser of the two. So when we have a very large opening, we need to watch that deflection that it does not compress our panels. And that's the problem. It's not that the system can't work with a little bit of deflection. It can. It's just when it exceeds those numbers, it literally just pushes the head track down and smashes the panels and doesn't let them move right to left anymore. So we like to keep it at that number. So if, if, we, if we stay with that deflection rate, then we know the system will operate without any issues. Mm -hmm. 
And so that L over 720 of the span or a quarter inch. And that quarter inch is our reveal that we keep between our panels and our frame, which allows us also to get the better ratings because there's less of a gap to let water and air through there. Right. Yeah, that makes perfect sense, too. I think that's great to keep that tight deflection limit as well, because like you're describing, you know, even old school patio doors, sometimes yep. they get hung up. So it's kind yep. of that same gumming up when things are deflecting down too sure. much. And the deflection from the structure actually comes from everything else that's above it. So all of the floor load, all of the roof load, everything that's right. coming down on this header. Yeah, we're, we're usually asking for live and dead loads prior to installation. Okay. Because that way we know that it's already at where it's going to be. Okay. I've had people actually sandbag like the second floor just to make sure that that header has deflected as what it's going to go to before we install so that we're not making it so tight that there's no room for any kind of adjustment. Sure. So what kind of material do you like to attach into? Well, we actually attach to either steel, wood, concrete, or masonry. Okay. Now, please note I did not say steel studs. <laughs> okay. All right. So that's one of the things that we run into is uh, we do, we're in commercial as well as residential. You don't get a lot of steel stud construction in residential, but you do in commercial. And that's okay, except our concern is more than anything, the pullout strength of the screw. If I'm into a steel stud, I'm holding by a thread. Mm -hmm. Let's say two, right. okay, just on the good side. When I'm into wood, we penetrate the wood at two and a half inches. So mm -hmm. we've got that much wood uh, screw into the wood holding. When we're going into steel, we want to do at least a quarter inch thick steel. Now that's not for the deflection rate, that's for the pullout strength of the screw. Mm -hmm. Remember what I said about our systems, how do they move? They move up and down, they move right to left, they move in and out. And so, especially under wind loads, if we're not attached to a structure that's strong enough to hold the screws in place, that wind load pressure can push on our systems and cause a failure. Mm -hmm. Therefore, we're okay with wood, we're okay with masonry, we're okay with steel, as long as we've got at least quarter inch thick steel. And when we've got that type of structure, we know that the screws will hold. Now we require certain size screws. We ask for at least a number 14 screw or a quarter inch diameter screw. And then we list in our instructions the different types of materials, such again, steel, wood, aluminum, and the type of embedment we need. Okay. So that tells you the length of the screw. Uh, we prefer stainless steel all the time because we do a lot of coastal applications. We also do a lot of uh, pool houses. Well, we know stainless steel is not going to corrode in those situations, and that's our other concern. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Okay, yeah, and I can totally see, too, like with the steel studs, it's more of a localized issue, too. You just yep. don't have that material to grab into. And so what we do, actually what we do with that is we just ask the uh, contractor, hey, can you put some wood backing on it? Mm -hmm. Just so we have something better to hold to than just a steel stud. Sure. Well, and I feel like so many times too, if it's a structural steel stud building or like age framed building, there are going to be areas in there where they're using actual steel yep. as well. So yep. like wide flange materials. So yeah. then you get your quarter inch yeah, and, and we, do something with We that. attach to steel all the time. Not mm -hmm. a problem. In fact, we do it almost all commercial is in steel. Okay. So another question that I have for you is, and maybe this is for the retractable system, but sometimes like in an existing building or in an existing home, they want to put in this type of system and their wall thickness is maybe only a two by four. So three and a half inches or at best five and a half inches. Sure. How do you work with that? Or, or do you ever have any issues come up with the fact that the wall is not 
thick enough for what you need to attach into? Well, for the reality, we only have about one system that that's critical on. Okay. Uh, we can go into two by four material. That that's not a problem. Most of our systems are under from from an in out dimension are under about or around three inches. Just okay. almost all of them. We have one system, our slider, called a Ciro, C-E-R-O. In that case, since it's a slider, we're actually multiplying the width into out as each panel gets added to it. So we could do a three-track system, which puts us at about nine inches wide for our track, whereas all the rest of our systems, folding and such, are all about the three-inch range. Okay. So two-by-four, two-by-six construction actually works very well. It just kind of depends on where you want it as well. Sure. Okay, so then what is the solution for that kind of retractable panel that is, you know, kind of, I guess it's stacking yep. one in front and then the middle and behind? Well, we just need more material to attach to. Okay. So you could go, instead of doing uh, two by six studs, you could do two by eight, two by ten. Sure. Things like that. So just furring out that wall. It's just furring out the wall yep. and it's just for the frame of that system. Now, sure. that being attached into other substrates around it is going to be determined by the engineer what they need. Mm -hmm. But it's very easily addressed by just making the, the dimension a little bit thicker. Sure. Okay, the next question I have pertains to the base. So sure. you said some of these are attached from the bottom. Is there a sill requirement or is anything recessed so that when you walk out, there's not a lip there and not sure. a threshold there? Yes, yes. We actually have multiple types of sills. Okay. Our most popular sill is called our saddle sill. We call it that because it actually saddles the recess that it's in. Uh, typically, we would recess into the floor about an inch and three-eighths, plus a little bit more for shim space. Mm -hmm. So if you went like an uh, inch and a half, inch and five-eighths, that's our recess. Okay. But if you start looking at subfloor and comparing it to finished floor, so for instance, if you went with a typical wood flooring, if you're doing three-quarter board and three-quarter board, works out perfect. Yep. Okay. And we have adjustable flanges on it. So if the floor needs to go up a little bit higher on the inside and down a little bit lower on the outside, we can adjust the interior and exterior flange. Okay. But typically with the saddle sill, again, it's our, our best selling type of model for the sill. Typically that is only if you're, you're flush from interior out to the outside, it's only a half inch rise. That's it. Okay. And we can make it less. All right. But for the most part, when we're installing, unless it's a window unit, so let's say you're putting it up on a countertop or something like that. Mm -hmm. Typically, our sills are recessed so they're not protruding up from the floor. Mm -hmm. Now we do have some where it's like if you wanted to step in from one level and step out literally like a step down and go, we can accommodate that as well. Okay. So our main goal though is to make it as smooth and easy a transition from interior to exterior. And we have multiple sills that can handle that. So it really depends again, what does the customer want what does the customer need? So let us know, and then we can start looking at the options. Okay, so if you could recommend something to architects, like sure. what would be your sage advice for architects that are designing an nanowall system or designing for a nanowall system? Right, so I have thought about this before, and there's a couple things that seem to be just common themes that I get. So I get calls and I, I do conference calls with uh, architects all the time. And many of them are asking many of the questions you've asked. Well, what do I build the surrounding condition with? Well, we need something strong enough to take the pressures of operation and of the wind loads. That's our concerns for exterior. Mm -hmm. uh, we want to keep our deflection rate, okay? All right. 
One of the other things that we find is, what do you do about water? Okay, well, what are the circumstances? If we know what the surrounding conditions are and we can look at them, we can make different sill suggestions. But I've gotten the call before of, hey, I've got this concrete trench and I want to put your sill in there and put the system in. How do I get the water out? Well, that's a darn good question because you just gave us a concrete trench and that's it. Yeah. So considering water remediation is one of the biggest factors that I have phone calls on the most. Where do we go with the water? Our statement always is we can get the water out, but it's kind of up to the designer, the architect to have it go somewhere. We can work with that. But that's why I get these calls prior to installation say, what do we do? We have conversations of, hey, you can run drains, you can run tubing, multiple different things. So the point that I'm trying to make is if they consider that there has to be a place for that water to go from our system. We'll get it out. They just need to tell us where it needs to go. Yeah. Well, I think that ties into one of our previous questions here, too, with the fact that, you know, we're trying to make it kind of a seamless transition from right. outside to inside so with that you're setting the sill down further so you don't always have that differential from inside to outside because you want to be able to walk out seamlessly correct and correct that, from a water perspective creates a challenge exactly and we just don't want the customer to experience any negative effects especially from weather sure and so if if we have a way to get the water to go someplace we can get it out, no mm -hmm. problem. We have great weather ratings for our systems. In fact, our Gen 4 systems, we now have moved all of our rollers above the water line of the sill. So just consider this as an architect. If you're going to do an exterior system, where is it going to go? Mm -hmm. Think about that. You can contact us. We've got several ideas and we can talk about it. But that and just making sure the structure is stable enough to withstand anything. Yeah. Take the loads from the top, the wind pressures from the front, etc. Lee, so we, that's my next question. Yeah, sure. <laughs> is what you would, I guess, what your words of wisdom would be for structural engineers. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no problem. So, like I said, we attach to masonry, to wood, to uh, steel, etc. We actually had a project recently that I went and looked at because they were having some issues with the doors. And I thought, gosh, I wonder what's happening. So I went to the project. We looked up in the ceiling and they had taken a steel I-beam and run it from one side and stopped it one foot from the end of the opening. Oh, no. And so the steel I-beam was actually tied to the wood trusses above it. And that so work. we actually ran the door out, and I put my tape on there with a laser, and I could see it deflecting down as we moved the panels out to the opening and then going back up again. Oh, no. All right. So that's not going to work. We need to be stable. We need to be a good structural foundation to attach to. Anything that they may have questions about, they can definitely contact us, but keeping in mind that deflection rate and making sure that it's a solid substrate all the way around, that's our biggest concern. Sometimes we get customers or architects calling us and saying, well, what would you suggest? And we literally just fall back to our testing. Our installation instructions, all of our performance ratings, everything is from how did we test the door? So our concern is we need to install it and make it work like we did in testing to keep our testing parameters or our results intact. Mm -hmm. Okay, well, if we're attaching to one two by six and it's not held by anything above it, or in this case, that steel that just deflects as you move the door across it, mm -hmm. okay, it's not sufficient. So we want to just make sure that structure is nice and strong, can handle the load of the system and the load of the building. 
Okay. Yes. And in your testing, do you have an, like one of the situations there where it's a steel beam that runs across with yep. studs yep. on either side? Yeah. So we, we've attached to wood and steel and, and masonry. Okay. And the fact is, is that we actually do all independent testing. So we install it. It gets tested. If it doesn't pass, we search why. Mm-hmm. Okay. Resolve that concern, move on and, and keep testing. But then we record, what did we do to get to that point? What type of fasteners did we use? When we put it under pressure, how long did it take for it to fail? Because we push these right to failure. I've seen doors fly out of these systems and just smash into the back wall because there's so much pressure. Okay. So we get to that point where we say, oh, all right, if we change it by doing this, doing that, changing our installation, mm-hmm. then we're able to achieve the things we need especially if we want to give a customer a certain rating. Okay, well, we just translate that into our installation instructions, and now we know what do we need to do to meet these testing parameters. Okay, so that kind of brings me to my next question. On the installation side, Lee, I know you've spent a lot of time out in the field as these are getting installed. If you could give maybe a contractor or contractors some words of preparation, sure. what would you tell them? I would tell them, pay attention to the unit height and the unit width. The reason why is because those are literal numbers. So when we say that it's 10 foot wide, that's the material that's going to show up at your project. Okay. And when we get there and they made the opening 10 foot wide, it doesn't fit. Okay. Because though there are many fine people and architects and builders out there, real world is it's very infrequently that we get a perfect opening. Mm-hmm. So we actually build in shim space around it. Okay. We call out, usually this is typical, a quarter inch at the bottom, three-eighths up the jam, and three-quarter at the head. Therefore, they need to pay attention to what are they building in the actual size of their opening. Mm-hmm. Can't be the same size as the unit width because then it just physically won't fit in there. Right. But the other thing that they need to watch is the finished floor height. Okay. The reason why is because most of our sills will sit and reveal against a finished floor. Therefore, if they're not counting for the finished floor height and the system goes in or tries to go in and their rough opening is not accommodating where they want to set it, you got to watch for that. Okay, And we show it right on our drawings where the finished floor height line is and the dimensions to the top of our material. Okay, That's what I would want them to watch. Watch the unit width, watch the unit height, and pay attention to your surrounding conditions. Okay, measure twice, cut once. That's exactly right. By the way... We cannot shrink these once they get to the job. Right. Totally custom. <laughs> there is no changing them. <laughs> so we, we don't want to do that. We don't want to have that situation. But we do a lot of work with, with our customers, no matter who they are, to make sure they understand this is what you're getting. Make sure your opening fits it. Okay. All right. Okay, Lee, what would you say is the most fascinating thing about Manowals? Fascinating thing. That's a good point. I think the most fascinating thing about it to me is just being able to have the openness of the system. I don't mean physically opening. I mean how it transforms an, a closed interior space to an open exterior space, even without opening the door. Because you have the glass, we have the narrow sight lines, we have the ability to open and close it as we need to. You can let fresh air in, you can keep it closed in the wintertime. I had somebody say to me one time, hey, why don't you sell these in Canada? I said, what do you mean? He goes, well, these are only a Southern Florida or Southern California product. I said, no, 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 no. We sell them all over Canada, and we do. 
Mm-hmm. In fact, I was just in a job in Newfoundland about two weeks ago. Okay. okay. So what I like the best, though, is it just opens everything up. You're yeah. no longer looking at four walls. Now you're looking beyond them. Yeah, I love that. And I think sometimes our eyes are trained to see certain things. So especially in residential applications, we're used to seeing punched openings. Yep. And when you see something that exceeds what your mind is expecting, it's always very yeah. fascinating. And to me, when I'm when I'm on these projects, it basically just increases the space. Okay. It's very rare that we just have one single man door and that's it. It's just very rare. We can do it and we do do it. Yeah. Just usually to match all of the other larger openings we produce. Well, why do we have those large openings? Why do you want that? It's to expand your living space. Mm-hmm. And it's also to bring the outside in. Yeah, and it changes, it completely changes the Changes the, the entire view. Yeah, I love that. Okay, so if you could give Nanowal a theme song, what would it be? Oh. <laughs> That's a good question. I've got one for you. Okay, yeah. <laughs> There's so many to pick from. So there's a song. It's called World Outside Your Window. Oh, yes. Waiting absolutely. to Explore. Yes. So I that's the first song that comes to mind for me, I guess, when I think of Nana Wall. Yes. <laughs> World Outside Your Window. Okay. Or love it. Folding Door. Folding Door. <laughs> <laughs> you can maybe add some new lyrics and come up with yes, your own cover yes, of that song. Yes, definitely, definitely. <laughs> all right. Lee, what do you do to recharge when you're not uh, doing all things Nana Wall? Well... With my position, I am typically either in my office answering phone calls, doing calls, emails, etc., or I'm traveling. Like today, I'm, I'm not home, right? So for me, my recharge comes from spending time with my family, doing things together. I mean, even if it's as simple as just all crashing on the couch and watching a movie or something. But, and we try to get out and, and go different places and do things. But that's how I recharge, spending time with my wife and my kids. That's how I do it. Love it. Especially if you're traveling all the time. It's yes. great to have that downtime. Huh? Yes. Yes. All right. Well, Lee, thank you so much for being on sure. Untruck today. This has been a lot of fun. I have learned a ton. Good, and good. I am super excited to take some of this knowledge back to the office and implement it on some of these upcoming projects. Excellent. So, thanks a lot for being here. Yep. Just keep in mind, if you need any assistance, get a hold of us. That's what we're here for. Okay. Sounds great. Thank you so much, Lee, for being here today. No problem at all. Thank you. Thank you for listening. If you enjoyed this episode of Unstruct and know someone else who would, please share it with them. And if you enjoy the work that I'm doing here in general, I would really appreciate your rating and review on Apple Podcast. It goes a long way to help others find the show. Speaking of finding shows, Unstruct is part of the Gable Media Network, a place where you can find even more content like this. To see the catalog of shows focused on our built environment, visit gablemedia.com. That's G-A-B-L media.com. Lastly, if you haven't already, don't forget to subscribe before you go so that you don't miss the next story from within the walls and how they stand today. I've mentioned it to my family, but in terms of telling people like, oh yeah, we're doing this, I'm looking for projects. You got anything? I'm not there yet because it scares the out of me. Dreaming of launching your own architecture firm? Well, Well, buckle up for a wild ride with Emerging, the podcast that shares what it's really like to start an architecture firm. 
where do we begin? We don't even know what type of business to formalize as. Is it an LLC? Is it an LLP? Like how are taxes? I mean, the list is astronomical. Season one featured founders, Jeffrey, Lexi, and Chris, owners of Level Studio Architecture, are your fearless guides on this unfiltered journey from napkin sketches to a thriving studio. One evening, stumbled into one last dive, we sat at the bar and pondered our postgraduate futures. Amidst the conversation, a napkin became the canvas for our aspirations, sketching plans and milestones, sealing our heartfelt commitment and shared dreams. In drawing down dreams on a napkin collectively, that (laughs) then, you know, in your head, you've rooted like, oh, I'm connected to these people, like long term. The process of starting an architecture practice brims with excitement and challenges, demanding meticulous planning, flawless execution, and unyielding resilience. I kind of hate the term because it's so overly used, but I think everybody knows imposter syndrome. And I think it's it's so real to this day. I, I, I don't know if it's with everybody, but with me, I'm always questioning like, us, can we do this? Are we ready to do this? Are we prepared? Can we do it? Did we just decide a name? <laughs> we did it, guys. Oh the one that God. came out of nowhere. Woo! It came out of nowhere. I liked it. I saw it. Ready to turn your aspirations into reality? Follow the link in the show notes to subscribe to Emerging and chart your own path to architectural success.